maybe you have to be more deliberate in your path, in your journey, but it will be uh, very uh, intentional conversations that I do have with my children about how to navigate. I think systems navigation is so important for African Americans because um, there's so many more barriers and hurdles. And so you have to be strategic. You have to be intentional. You you can't be um, uh, nonchalant or, um, you know, um, take things for granted. I think you can't make the same missteps that other folks can make and recover as quickly. So that, that'll probably be the message I give my kids. Welcome to the Fatherhood Podcast. I'm your host, Jamar Hudson, and you're in the fatherhood. As a new member of the hood, my goal is to use this podcast as a platform to talk about my journey as a new father. Part therapeutic, part informative, part education. My goal is to talk about everything, from adjusting to getting no sleep, to changing diapers, to just hoping I get everything right. This podcast will be a space to share with you the joys, challenges, and fears of being a first-time father. What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Fatherhood Podcast. I'm your host, Jamar Hudson, and as always, welcome. A few weeks ago, I had the pleasure of being on the How Should I Introduce You show with my man, Silas Grant. It was a great experience, and during that, I was partnered with a gentleman who I never met before, but was able to have a great conversation with on various topics. I asked him to come on and share his experiences as a father with me, and I'm glad he's able to join me today. So, Eric King, welcome to the Fatherhood Podcast, my man. Thank you, Jamar, for, for welcoming me on this show and um, season's greetings uh, with the, in the holiday season <laughs> and, and tradition. Same to you, my man. I uh, really appreciate it. First question I'll ask you, Eric, is just tell our listeners a little bit about yourself. Well, um, where do I start? Um, I'm originally from Stanton, Virginia. Um, went to Virginia Tech and graduated back in the year 2000. When uh, we went to the national championship with Michael Vick, okay, um, moved up here following graduation, and have lived in Alexandria, Washington D.C., and I'm back in the Washington D.C. area right now. Have a 19-year history or experience working in the juvenile justice system in Northern Virginia, and am a fatherhood advocate and run a nonprofit called Capital Youth Empowerment Program for the past 12 years with a program called Fathers in Touch. So uh, I am a father of two, been married for seven years, and I uh, have a three-year-old and a five-year-old, Kahan and Amaya. So let's just stay right there, Eric. Um, just tell me, what does being a father mean to you? Um, it is... Uh, one of the cornerstones of my life, uh, I did not have a great relationship with my father and uh, always longed for that relationship. My parents got divorced when I was like four years old. So I knew what, you know, fundamentally what it was to be in a family of four uh, when I was a child uh, early on. But then, you know, starting, you know, kindergarten and starting school 
and my parent my mom moved across the country to Stanton, Virginia. My dad lived in California. And that uh, that that divide, I really never got to see my my dad or talk to him. And so uh, my relationship with my children, the closeness um, and the level of engagement is something that is a very, very, very high priority for me. And I, I spent a lot of time um, just connecting and engaging with them because um, it's helped to heal those wounds uh, of the past. So with that, Eric, um, because you didn't have a, the best relationship with, with your dad growing up, how did that impact you once you became a father yourself? Um, I think it's one of those fundamental relationships. Like you, the, the, the closeness and the bond that you have. I have a twin brother, so I'm a twin. Mm-hmm. So I've, I've had a really close relationship with him and my mom. And so I think that was replicated uh, when my children were born, that connection, that closeness. I mean, I don't think you can have uh, a, a closer relationship with another human being than the folks that are your flesh and blood. And right. so I, I think that has, uh, it's helped it, like I say, heal the, the past wounds of not having that connection with my father. And so over the years, as I've, you know, my kid's five years old, so I've been a father for five years, mm-hmm. it's helped to really strengthen me as a person uh, because I have that that close relationship and uh, emotional attachment. That's I guess that's the biggest, the biggest gain is that emotional attachment with another human being that wants nothing but love from you. Yeah, yeah. So I, I guess the next question I have for you, Eric, is who did you pattern your approach to father after? Like once you found out you're going to be a dad, who did you say this is who I want to be like? Hmm. Well, it's, I think it's maybe a combination of uh, a lot of the positive attributes of role models and uh, family members and even the fathers that go through the fatherhood program, Fathers in Touch. Yeah that I see, um, it's a combination of things. You take the best of, of each uh, individual and you see certain traits that are noble or admirable that you want to, uh, your children to pattern themselves around and you, you wanna replicate that. So for me, it's just a combination of, of various folks that I have a lot of respect for throughout my life. So with that, man, with, with your oldest being five years old, what is it, what is something, Eric, that you wish you knew early on in fatherhood that you've learned uh, in these five years since you've become a dad? I think it's just uh, balancing uh, the, the relationship with my wife, mm. my children, and uh, work. I think just having an understanding that... Um, you know, all my focus went into my children and not necessarily um, did I have the appropriate focus on my marriage and my relationship with my wife. And so it would probably be to uh, focus more on the emotional needs and um, engaging with my wife so that uh, she she's taken care of as well as the children, the attention and the focus always gets placed on the children. And so your your marriage gets malnourished. 
So how did you correct that? Um, well, you know, uh, the key is one awareness. I think identifying different platforms and ways to, um, you know, put some resources behind it. I, I started to read books and then um, have engaged in some counseling to really put the focus on our communication, what her needs are, how to balance that out so that um, we have a healthy relationship because we're, we're models for our children. I think you just answered the next question I have for you, Eric, but you know, I'll, I'll phrase it this way. What has surprised you about fatherhood? Um, how rewarding it can be. Um, you really don't understand that impact and I, and I think I spoke to it earlier about um, it's like a it's, it's traumatic when you don't have that connection with your father and you like early on you had it. And so there's that emptiness uh, in your life that you're always trying to fill and you can't put your finger on it. And so when I had my children, um, that that gap was filled, that emotional gap was filled. And so. That's what I find probably the most fulfilling aspect um, that I didn't know. I didn't have any clue that it would uh, really, um, you know, really help to heal those those past trauma and past wounds of not having a great relationship with my father. So obviously, Eric, 2020 has been a challenge for everyone. It's been a, just a weird year overall. So I'm just curious, how have you handled everything that's gone on so far this year from the pandemic to social justice issues? So everything that has just made 2020, 2020, so to speak, how have you dealt with that? Um, I just looked at it as a real opportunity. Uh, I've career-wise and um, with the nonprofit, I started a, a few for-profit entities and I mean, these crises create opportunities and I'm an entrepreneur. So um, I've really leaned in and uh, been able to uh, grow, grow the businesses and, and really find some really great opportunities as well as spend more time with family because we've been forced to, to spend time with family. So mm -hmm. to me, it's been a, a game changing year. I know there's been a lot of uh, pain and um uh, suffering throughout our country, but for me and my my family, it really has been um, a transformational year. That's awesome, man. So, as you stated before, you've committed a large portion of your your career and profession uh, and your life in general to mentorship. Where did that inspiration come from? Um, like, like I said, you know, now having my father, I've always mm -hmm. had to look to other role models and. Um, you know, my friend's fathers in the community and through sports and through coaches. And so I've always gravitated to positive male role models. And so um, it's almost like you got to pay it, pay it back. You know, like I wouldn't be the person I am. I wouldn't have the developmental assets throughout my life. And I wouldn't be where I am or as successful if I didn't have those role models and those folks in my life. And so for me, I see it as uh, an obligation to really invest that back into our community. And so, um, you know, once I once I you know graduated college and moved on to adulthood, 
I've always had a focus of giving back and mentoring and investing in others because folks did it for me. And that's great, man. And part of the, the work of the Capital Youth Empowerment Program is a fatherhood component, man. So just tell our listeners a little bit about what you have going on over there. Well, back in 2008, we created the Fathers in Touch program uh, as a we saw a gap in services for men uh, within the court system. And so my work with the courts really uh, helped to inform creating kind of like a parenting class specifically for fathers. And it has a 12 week uh, classroom component. We added uh, a monthly activity uh, once a month to break down barriers between fathers and their children so that they would have a supervised uh, and and safe place to meet with their ch- child and connect mm-hmm. with their child. Uh, but then also uh, helping them to see the blind spots. I, I, I recognize the pain uh, from the relationship I had with my father and wanted to make sure that men were aware of the impacts that they have on their children and how to be the best parent possible. Yeah, man. So that's great. I definitely encourage everyone to, to get involved and do some research on Eric's program, especially those in the DC area and just see how you can get involved. But I guess my question, Eric, is how do you in, in, in all your work of making sure that everyone is mentored and taken care of that you don't neglect your own responsibilities as a dad? Well, I mean, it, at, at a certain, uh, you know, you start out and it's like micro. You're really engaging and working with folks on a ground level, on the front lines. And as I've grown and, and graduated into another space of, of management and grown the organization, and now I'm in, a, in an executive seat, it's more of a macro where how do we have impact on the masses? How do we have an impact on large amounts of people? And so strategically, I don't necessarily mentor folks uh, within our programs or our fatherhood programs or things of that nature. I invest that mentoring in our staff, our leadership, um, but I, I also do take time to mentor uh, folks that are really, you know, professionals that haven't made the leap into entrepreneurship. Right, right. Ha- have an interest in it. And so that's where I, I start to, to move my focus. But um, my, my focus is, is always, I spend a lot of time with my family and kids because I have that, I get so much energy. There's so much positive energy that I get yeah, from yeah. my children and from my being close to my family that um, I always find time to, to invest and prioritize you actually just answered my next question, which is um, how has your involvement in mentorship and being an entrepreneur actually helped you as a father? Um, you know what? It, it, it really, when you listen to there's certain Jay-Z lyrics and he said, you can't be free until you own your own. And mm-hmm. so it, 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 really, it really indicates that, you know, within our system, you know, when you when you go to work, and I I, I uh, experienced this when I worked for the local government at the court service unit, you know it's somebody else's vision, the leader of the organization, and they're dictating like really how you're living your life. Uh, you know you spend so much time on the job, like forty hours a week, and they're dictating what that agenda is and what the vision and the mission is 
for the organization and they have a lot of impact on you and I, the 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 last job I was in I, I really didn't like like the leadership and where like my energy and my time and and my values weren't respected and my perspective wasn't respected as an african-american male and so to me that felt that felt that didn't feel right it, it, it hit different <laughs> so <laughs> for me i said i've got to free myself of this i really want to have an impact on people in a positive way and i want to impact my people um you know black and brown people in a way that moves them toward successful outcomes and said i saw that that agenda wasn't valued at my in my workplace and so I, once i got free of that and really started to do my own thing i saw how liberating that could be and so that's why i'm such a proponent of entrepreneurship and i you know will invest in others and spend my time investing in them so that they can feel that same liberation from our well sometimes people call it the rat race that yeah. five you know get out of the rat race and then start to build wealth for your family and your community because i think that's another piece economic empowerment should be something of a cornerstone in our community and um, sometimes i don't think it's emphasized enough oh, that's great man i want to dig a little deeper on something you have experience in the juvenile justice system i want you to talk a little bit about your experiences there and how um, what you observed in that space, how did that impact you as a father? How did it, you know, emphasize the, the importance of fathers um, in, in the community? Well, man, it, I think it's all historical. When you look back at uh, the history of our nation and um, the foundation of slavery and uh, hundreds of years of that, I think that leads into uh, our current justice system. And so you have hundreds of years of uh you know you gotta you gotta call a spade a spade of torture mm -hmm. of maltreatment uh especially within the african-american community that specifically i think uh it's built into the culture of the laws and so the laws are bent toward um helping certain folks have a advantage a competitive advantage over others and uh year after year you know you have separate but equal and you know, through educate different systems, education system, social service system, um, and justice system. And so in the justice system, it's been very punitive. It really reflects, you know, slavery. And you look at the demographics and the percentage of African-Americans and um, Latino folks, it's a disproportionate amount of folks uh, in our systems. And one of the things that I that I that I really took from the experience was those developmental assets that are indicators of success in America. Um, we don't necessarily have them, and fundamentally, in slavery, those were areas that were um, intentionally dismantled. So the family system—you know—you break up families, and you know. It, throughout those years, you know, you have Big Mama and, and the woman as the, the centerpiece <laughs> of the family in the African-American community versus men. And so, you know, as I saw with my dad, I see it with, with other men, you know, we're lost because historically our, our, 
our families, our nuclear families haven't been structured and, and put together in a way that um, gives us an advantage. And so when I look at the, the let's say the white families, that they have a, tr a competitive advantage over us because our families have been torn apart all these yeah, years yeah. and theirs have been together. And so if you have two parents investing in a child or multiple children, then they're going to gain those developmental assets where our community isn't. And so that's why I've invested so much time in educating fathers through our fatherhood program, because we're at a competitive disadvantage when our families aren't um, together. And so I think that was the biggest thing that I saw when we did our social histories was, you know, there's so many single uh, parents or single black women raising um, the, our males. And so uh, that to me was, we, we've got to invest in our own community, but then also, you know, there's just blatant um, racist policies and um, there's a bias in the, you know, it, it's that unconscious bias by judges, um, attorneys. And so you'll see the same charge, but, um, you know, a person of color that comes from uh, a lower socioeconomic background and you have the Caucasian counterpart that has a paid lawyer and it's just night and day what the outcomes are. So the, the, the system isn't fair. There are bias and uh, there are ways to correct that. But I think there has to be conscious efforts um, by these systems to make those corrections. That's great, man. I'm talking to Eric King on the Fatherhood Podcast today, man. You just dropped a lot of gems on us. But I'm curious, you know, with, with you know, guys like us and others in our age group, um, doing our best to change those generational curses that you spoke of. How do you plan on talking to your kids about some of the challenges that they will face in this world as they get older? Well, I, I think it, it will be in the lens of, of competition. You, look, my kids are going to play sports, and it, it'll be through the lens of you are competing against other folks um, and – you have to represent uh, your family. And, and so the folks, certain folks have different advantages, uh, competitive advantages. Let's say you're in a race and they have an advantage over you, then you have to make up ground one way or the other. And so it may be that you have to be more strategic in your approach. Maybe you have to be more deliberate in your path, in your journey. but. It will be uh, very uh, intentional conversations that I do have with my children about how to navigate. I think systems navigation is so important for African-Americans because um, there's so many more barriers and hurdles. And so you have to be strategic. You have to be intentional. You, you can't be um, uh, nonchalant or... Um, you know, um, take things for granted. I think you can't make the same missteps that other folks can make and recover as quickly. So that, that'll probably be the message I give my kids. Yeah, man, definitely. And, you know, for me as a, as a father of a son, I know I'm going to have to have these conversations with him um, as he gets older. And quite honestly, man, some of them are scary. And I'm wondering if, if you had that same fear 
of having those type of discussions with your kids? And if not, what what are some fears that you have as a father? Um, I, I don't have fears of that conversation. That's life. Like we're just gonna you gotta deal with it. I think having the mindset of whatever comes before you, you have to deal with it um, and take things one step at a time is important. Your approach and your perspective is always important and being fearful is never um, where you want to be. And, and I'll preach that to anybody. You you want to be, it's like Nipsey Hussle says, you know, you want to be, stay dangerous. Mm-hmm. Don't be, stay safe. Nuh-uh. Stay dangerous. You want to be the one that is uh, assertive and, and, and on top of things. But uh, uh, what do I fear? Um, sheesh. Uh, I, you know what I do fear is uh, I, I'm preparing and having a really nice lifestyle for my family and my children and, um, you know, the folks that come behind me uh, do take things for granted and don't necessarily appreciate um, the the hard work that goes into creating something great. Mm-hmm. I think that's the scariest part is complacency. Um, having um, folks just be complacent and not um, intentional in, in their approach. And that's great, man. You know, going back to our conversations on Silas's show and even our discussions here so far, it's clear that you have a strong passion for entrepreneurship have a strong passion for ownership and being in control of your own situation. But for the dads out there, Eric, who who don't have that, who are who don't have that entrepreneurial uh, go get mentality, so to speak, what advice would you give to someone like that? Well, uh, the biggest thing is having some sort of skill. Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. in this world, you have to have some sort of technical skill, something that you gives you something that you do. Everybody's gifted. Everybody has a strength. Identify what your strength is and then get the necessary training and and lean into your strength. Whatever you're good at, that's what you need to be focused on. Um, don't try to do something that isn't a strength naturally for you. And then after you focus on that strength and gain a skill, then... Um, I recommend this book called The Startup of You, uh, written by Reed Hoffman, the founder of LinkedIn, where you can identify what the marketplace is willing to pay for that set of skills. And so that can help you navigate to, okay, is this a place where I want to go? You know, have a vision for yourself and set a goal and then move. That's a, the goal is a plan and then don't don't get overwhelmed by that but every day move toward that goal and then surround yourself with people that are going to help you get to that goal and stay away from people that are going to distract you from that goal so those would be some basic things that i would i would tell folks is um definitely have a plan and be goal focused when uh you know moving toward any type of financial empowerment and then it doesn't have to be entrepreneurship, but you're going to have to gain some sort of specialized skill in our current economy. You, you mentioned the word overwhelmed, uh, Eric, and I think that's a great segue to the next question I have for you. You know, mental health is something that, you know, a lot of people are talking about as of late. A lot of people are doing 
what they can to make sure they are taking care of themselves mentally. Uh, you know, for you, you, you have a lot on your plate in your profession and your career, um, as well as, you know, being a husband and a father. So how are you doing? What are you doing to make sure that, that you are taking uh, good care of yourself in the mental space? Um, I think that's that's priority. That's one of the higher priorities. I um, there's probably three or four things that I do probably every single day. I meditate first thing in the morning. Um, I try to work out um, on a regular basis. So you know, I try every day to to do something uh, athletic or or something to work my body to keep the keep the blood flowing. Mm-hmm. Um, I also um, I also like to engage in others and, 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 and learn from others. So I'm a lifelong learner. And so whether it's um, the, the folks that are in our program or um, my mentors or our board of directors, I'm always looking to learn and to grow. And so that, that to me, those... Those are three things. And then also sleep, like getting <laughs> eight hours of sleep. Yes. And I think we we sleep, well, we sleep on that, but we, <laughs> we really, I mean, we don't necessarily understand the importance right. of getting a good night's sleep and, and rejuvenating your body. So sleep and then nutrition, really watching what you're putting in your body and eating, because that, that also will dictate your energy level and your ability to... Um, you know, move about your day and, and execute on your vision. Great, man. That, that's some great advice for our listeners. Um, before I let you go, Eric, I want you to, to let people know about your program. Um, give the people your contact information so they can get in contact with you. Where can they find you uh, anywhere on the internet space? Um, uh, you can find Capital Youth Empowerment Program or Eric King on LinkedIn. Um, just type in E-R-I-C-K-K-I-N-G. Um, you can also go to our website at Capital Youth Empowerment Program, www.cyep.org. That's cyep.org. And, um, like, the, you know, find us out there. We're, I, I need to grow my social media presence, <laughs> but uh, you can definitely go to that website or find me on LinkedIn. My man, Eric King, thank you so much for joining me on the Fatherhood Podcast. Thank you. I appreciate it, Jamar. Thanks for inviting me. I want to thank my man Eric King for joining me on the Fatherhood Podcast today. And as always, thank you for listening. You can find the Fatherhood Podcast on all major streaming platforms, including iTunes and Spotify. On social media, be sure to follow the Fatherhood Podcast on Instagram at the Fatherhood Podcast and like the Fatherhood Podcast page on Facebook. As a side, I want to thank everyone for taking the time to listen to any episode you have uh, this year. 2020 has been a great year for the podcast and look forward to more episodes in 2021. As always, if you like what you've heard, be sure to leave a rating and review on iTunes. Until next time, hope everyone have a happy holidays. I'm Jamar Hudson, and this is the Fatherhood Podcast.